Hi everybody, I'm Amelia Easley and you are listening to the Sustainability of podcast. I'm currently studying environmental studies and international business at Santa Clara University. Each episode breaks down a company or product and its sustainable practices. I'm your one-stop shop for learning about everything sustainability related. Hi everyone, I'm here today with Kathleen Kuo, the founder of Opus Mind. I'm so thankful and appreciative of her time to chat about the leather industry, and I'm truly ecstatic that she was willing to record with me. If you listened to my very first episode on vegan leather, you may have heard my mention of Opus Mind at the end, where I posited that perhaps the only sustainable alternative to leather I can personally back is certified recycled leather, which Opus Mind's bags are. Opus Mind does just that, offers timeless accessories made from certified recycled leather and traceable factories. So Opus Mind was founded in 2017 and, you know, Kathleen created a stunning luxury product line that encapsulates minimalist design and easy to wear colors and luxury materials for consumers who want to do more for the environment. You have become an expert in the industry as you were once a luxury leather specialist for companies like Chanel and Dior. And when it comes to social responsibility, each piece uh, is made in a small factory in Florence, Italy, that has been run by the same family for three generations. My first question for you is, how did this all start? Did you know you wanted to create a more environmentally sustainable brand than others you've seen? Or you just distraught with the current materials available to women and you just needed to make a change? Yeah. So, well, first, let me say how great it is to have this conversation with you, Amelia. Um, again, I just wanted to reiterate, I love your podcast and how you dive into different subjects related to sustainability. So I've learned so much by listening to your other episodes. So I'm really excited today to share my journey about Opus Mind. And I hope that it can lead to some inspiration for others. Oh, thank you. And, yeah. <laughs> and so in answering your question of how did this all start and did I know I wanted to create a more environmentally sustainable brand? Well, the short answer is no. I did not specifically know I wanted to build a sustainable brand. But after a year of working for other brands, I knew that there were issues and I just wanted to make it better. So one of these issues was the problem of waste. And just to backtrack, it was 2016 when um, I was working for Chanel, first in Paris at their flagship store, and then they sent me to Hong Kong, working directly with their retail team. So I've, I've always been working really close to the consumer, understanding their need and expectation, and aligning that with the behind-the-scene operations. And um, it was in Hong Kong when I was personally faced with making a decision about unsold products and um, just you know background information Chanel doesn't discount unsold products because um, luxury to them is defined through the whole customer experience and so having promotion is just not part of it now the behind the scene is what do you do with those unsold products and also in that year I mean there was just several events that happened that really shook me into creating Opus Mind. But for example, there was a media uproar against Burberry's disclosing on their financial report that they had destroyed 28.6 million pounds worth of unsold products. And the sad truth is that this is actually common practice for luxury brands. But 
to me, it was just unacceptable that in our day and age, when you know you have technology that you know works towards automation, machine learning, etc., that there was no better solutions to the supply chain than producing more and destroying the rest. So. At that point, I also knew that I wanted to spend my time and effort in something that I believed in, something that was aligned with my values and with my commitment. So that's why I started Opus Mind, um, just to see if there was a better and leaner way to create beautiful product. And also, as I gain expertise with um, leather goods through my years working for Dior and Chanel, as you mentioned, I knew that the leather industry was just terrible. I mean, I did extensive research to understand how I could improve, but at the end, um, I really believe that the power of change lies on the consumer. And um, yeah, and because I mean, the industry is driven by demand, right? So I knew that the change was possible if people demanded. And so that's why I created Opus Mind to be really close to the consumer and create more awareness on such topics. Yeah, I totally see like, the importance of it and how you had to have that knowledge. And when you gained that knowledge, you were just appalled by what you found. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. So um, another thing about Opus Mind is that I knew I wanted to do it better. I already had that extensive knowledge of leather goods, but I needed more research of saying, okay, what is that better? And so, um, you know, during my decade working in the fashion industry, I would regularly go through trade shows um, in Paris or Vegas or, you know, um, all these different places. Just because I started my career as a designer, I knew how to source, to keep track of market trends of fashion and textile. And so adding to my knowledge in leather, working for Dior Chanel, I just knew that, okay, this industry is very complicated. And in the beginning, I was actually thinking of using vegan leather. And as you share with your very first episode, um, doing that research just really uncover um, that it actually is a horrible material. So this is one of the things about sustainability that's very difficult. And I'm sure you've, you know, with all the different episodes, as you talk to these different people in this different areas, it's always the same thing is sustainability is really complicated and it depends on which lens you look into, right? For me is, okay, I wanted to tackle the problem of waste and um, understanding that, you know, with the fashion industry, I mean, it has really led to, um, it really contributed to all this problem and that, you know, had that impact with climate change. Vegan leather was not a, um, you know, a great choice for that because essentially it's just, you know, PU or PVC, as you've mentioned. And it was a bit of a serendipitous event where I met this vendor in the Milan trade show that was doing recycled leather. And that piqued my interest. So that pointed me to this direction. And at that point, I was also um, starting to research the idea of a circular economy. And I knew that, you know, one of the most sustainable action would be to reduce our waste and you know, extend the existing resource. Talking about, um, you know, recycled leather and really wanting to use that material. But then there were other obstacles also. Um, as you know, starting a brand from the ground up, 
um, is really difficult. And a lot of the um, material vendor, they have minimum order quantity. So wanting to work with a recycled leather was just also about looking for the um, looking for a good partner vendor. And yeah, ultimately for me again, was a serendipitous event um, of meeting this vendor who was also a startup. Um, their name is Recycle Leather. And what I love is that they really thought about the whole process. They went out to um, look for offcuts um, leather. So it's basically leather waste that um, factories have no use of, and usually they just toss it in the trash. They um, collect those, and they just recycled it by um, keeping the leather fiber and mixing it with a natural bonding material that comes from the rubber tree. Um, what I love about it as well is that they were concerned about uh, the quality of the material. So a lot of the thing about um, my concern about sustainability is to build a quality product, which is also why I produce in Italy, which I can talk about a little bit later as well. The whole um, journey of getting to recycled leather and building a sustainable brand is just, for me, it started with that whole um, finding a solution to a problem, but then also getting I guess, lucky and meeting this vendor that was willing to work with me and to test out the product. And when I say willing to work with me, I was also quite, um, you know, a journey because there were also innovating a new process. So in the very beginning, we had this recycled leather material and I really asked to, you know, stay away from any chemical processing um, so that it could be as clean as possible. And so originally it was just this recycled leather fiber. And in terms of the coloring, it would be just a water-based color stamped on top of it. And I know you mentioned that we have a lot of nice colors. So, but that's also one of my idea of saying, you know, I love sustainability, but I think it doesn't have to be all uniform. Originally it was this recycled leather fiber and then with stamped color on it. And I was really excited and we tested out. We went to the Italian factory to try it out. Um, and the prototype came out okay. Um, and so I invested in a little bit more uh, material to create a small collection. And that's when we realized that after processing it, so cutting the leather and um, reinforcing the part, because when you create a handbag, there's some um, more sensitive area that you have to reinforce. Um, it turned out that the finished product, the leather color was not stable. That was a huge step back because um, I had, you know, banked on this, you know, very clean recycled leather, but it ultimately um, the leather was not you know, strong enough, was not stable enough. So going back to the drawing board and working with this partner vendor, we then develop another recycled leather material. But this time we, I mean, they created um, a film that was um, made of water-based rubber and they add the color pigments to it um, to finish the recycled leather. And 
that was great because um, ultimately it stabilized the leather, um, the recycled leather. And on top of that, it made it waterproof. One of the great thing about doing small batch recycling is that every um, scrap is traceable and every um, dent recycled leather material has, you know, um, a specific batch number and we can retrace to which factory did it come from. Um, another thing is, you know, they can really uh, make sure that that quality is um, consistent. So why did you decide to use recycled leather and not certified byproduct leather? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing, I mean, to refocus onto my initiative of finding a solution to the problem of waste, because that's really what triggered me to do Opus Mind. So I knew that I wanted to, to think about that. And using a byproduct, which also, you know, you could argue that that's also um, reducing waste because that's, those are already products that are um, a byproduct of the meat, mar meat industry. But the thing is, in reality, after my years working for um, Dior and Chanel, I was quite disillusioned with that concept because um, the process of, um, of making uh, leather, virgin leather, um, the cost of it really went down and the demand went um, increased a lot. And therefore, it's really difficult to find real byproduct leather. And therefore, um, I knew that, you know, finding that would be very difficult. And in any case, I was tackling another issue that was dear to me, which was reducing waste um, and reusing the existing materials that we already have. Um, all that together with finding that vendor, as I mentioned, um, pushing a new brand out um, is really difficult because you have those vendors that have established supply chain and that have minimum to work with. So for me, it was a culmination of all these things that made it that, you know, I found this amazing product quality, um, traceable, sustainable, that was recycled leather. So for me, that was it. Yeah, I love that. I definitely think that, you know, it makes a lot of sense that it's just figuring out what aligns almost completely or as close as possible with your values. And it sounds like that that, that really was it. So how did you choose your manufacturing facility in Florence? I always like to ask brands that I'm talking to about this question, just like how difficult was it finding that factory that you wanted to work with and really invest in and have a partnership with? That's a great question. And to be honest, it, you know, it is really difficult for me. I, again, it's a combination of my past experience. Um, I met this family-owned factory through an exchange with building a back prototype when I was still in Chanel. And so um, while working with them, I learned about their story and I really appreciate their love and care for leather product. But before working with me with Opus Mind, they had never worked um, with recycled leather. And so um, it took them you know, a lot of tests before we could get uh, the... Um, all the craft right for this material. And so um, one of the thing is finding a partner that's willing to do, um, you know, a new process is really difficult. So having that 
you know, foundation of my previous job was really helpful. What is the process that Recycle Leather uses to source the product? So like from initially reading your website, it seems like the leather that's used or that's sourced is mostly scrap leather rather than um, like repurposed or recycled from previously used products. Um, but again, it's still, you know, obviously far more eco-conscious than other alternatives. Uh, like, you know, for example, potentially byproduct leather, that's much more difficult to trace. So can you really like go deep into the supply chain aspect of it and really like just the nitty gritty of how that's sourced? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, of course, in the very beginning, ideally was to be able to recycle um, post-consumer um, used leather product. But specifically for recycled leather, um, their supply chain, they um, source or they get um, the leather off curve from a glove factory uh, in Shenzhen. So also to be clear, recycled leather have their process in Shenzhen. Um, even though they um, have partners and they have an office based in, in Paris and they work with a lot of partners all throughout Europe. But um, yeah, the reason why um, they source uh, the leather of curve from glove factories is to keep that consistency to make sure they have that quality. So um, by sourcing offcuts from a specific source, that makes sure that um, the hide is all from the same type of animal. And specifically, this one is, a, is from bovine um, that they make. And therefore, with the input, and consistent input, we have more of a consistent output. Now, if you want to um, recycle post-consumer to use leather product, which is also possible, um, the challenge is to have that consistent type of material. And usually it's not, right? Because it's post-consumer use. So it's, you know, a mixture of different leather. You have landscape, gold skin, pigskin or any of that sort. So um, for me, I knew that I wanted to source a material that is that can be consistent over time. And so Recycle Leather provided that. And um, they use it, I mean, they source it from a glove factory because naturally with the glove factory, there's so many um, patterns that, you know, it generates a lot of waste. and um, I guess it's a partner factory of them. So they also can make sure that the the origin of that leather hide is also one that is made with minimum toxin or chemicals used to, to, to tan that leather. For the end product, they're able to test that leather fiber and make sure that yeah, it's as chemical free as possible. So where did the leather come from before being used uh, to make gloves? Yeah, so recycled leather use leather of course from a glove factory in Shenzhen. So the leather comes from bovine hides produced and tanned in China, and they have several sources all over the country. They really keep that quality consistent. You know, a bit of background information. I worked with factories in China around 2006 and 2009, and um, so I know a lot about their manufacturing process, and they have come a long way because... Um, since 
almost more than a decade, I mean, China has been implementing stricter regulations and labor safety. Also, um, since uh, 2018, China really passed a huge green initiative, green manufacturing initiative, which limits the chemical usage and measures really the pollution output. When I was thinking about using the whole, doing the whole process of recycling, I also knew that I wanted to use more of a, a cleaner material that didn't have um, any chemicals. The reason for that is um, I was already thinking about the end of life of the product. So staying as pure as possible enables a better quality at the end. But we tried the recycling process with scrap of leather that were chromium-free in the beginning. And um, we finished the process with a hand-stamped color on top. What we found out is that after cutting and assembling the bag, it turned out that the recycled leather did not pass the tear strength standard and the color became very unstable. So the thing about you know a startup and an innovative material is it's always a bit of risk to you know try going through with your idea of saying I want to be as clean as possible. But ultimately there's a you know quality standard that it needs to pass. Um, so after that, they switched the um, base material. They started recycling a bovine leather source that does have trace of chromium from its original dyeing process. And also, we finished it with a natural rubber-based film on top that has a mix of color. Even though I wanted to um, stay away from chemical and be totally chromium-free, now this one has trace of it, but it doesn't have as divergent um, leather um, that based, you know, chromium uh, chemical. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I definitely agree that like sometimes you just need to make sacrifices and there are trade-offs. But also, you know, this this uh, technology will be improved over the next few years. I'm sure, as you mentioned, the um, practices of leather harvesting and manufacturing in China have come super, super far since then. And so I'm sure that, you know, at some point we'll be able to figure out um, a more sustainable and also a more like uh, a material that can stand the test of time. Absolutely. And also um, going back to the main point, which, you know, the mission is to really divert all the scraps. And eventually, as we also mentioned earlier, um, be able to recycle post-consumer to used leather um, because it's really to extend all the existing resource that we already have. I definitely agree with that. When you dig into um, virgin leather, um, the whole process of tanning, which is you know, I mean, it's it's an organic material, and then in order to stop decaying, you infuse chemical, and then um, you stabilize it and also through that process you add the color right but then with recycled leather um, since um, we're recycling the leather the leather itself is actually doesn't have any color and so um, the leather fiber when you look at it is is a mush of brown it doesn't have color but basically what i um had mentioned earlier is um recycled leather found a way to finish it with a very thin film that are made uh, made base of um 
natural rubber and then mix the colored pigment into this natural rubber. If you cut through the bag, which you wouldn't, but <laughs> if you cut through the bag, you would see that um, the uh, material is actually brownish and then there's only a top film that is colorful. And so that enables a very consistent look. Um, also, one thing that I've uh, toyed with is we can also embose that top layer into different patterns. And so you can also even achieve, um, you know, the, the very coveted like alligator pattern or, you know, different type of patterns if you like. Yeah, because I know I read somewhere that like uh, one ostrich what's it called? Ostrich skin bag requires like multiple ostriches that are killed to create the bag. But, uh, you know, talking about ostrich and this is actually one of the worst exotic leather. So if there's anyone out there listening, like just do not buy any ostrich leather <laughs> because um, the little pointy thing that you see that is very, you know, that's characteristic of an ostrich leather. That's basically each one of them is a feather that they had to twist and pluck out in order to get that shape. So one of the things that for me was really clear when I was working for a luxury company, and by the way, um, Chanel, for example, is one of the first luxury companies to have banned all exotic skins. So I'm very proud to say that. But yeah, exotic skin leather is one of those industries that are horrendous. I mean, when you look into their practice, it's just horrible. There's so much more because, you know, we think about when you think about um, like animal cruelty, we usually think about, you know, Canada Goose or um, just other brands where they've had these very apparent scandals. But I think there's more to it than most of us know and most of us can even comprehend. So how do the environmental costs of recycled leather compare to that of vegan leather and virgin leather? Um, great question. So recycled leather use, um, they use 90% less water in the recycling process compared to vegan leather. But um, that's because the vegan leather industry is I mean, a lot of them has shifted to more of a water-based PU. Um, and also, when you talk about environmental costs, it also, you know, it, it looks at, you know, the different angle of sustainability. So, for example, water pollution is a huge issue, right? So, for that, um, recycled leather is much more sustainable than vegan leather. But one of the things, though, is for recycled leather, um, it's still a startup. It's still qu quite young. So they don't have the scale yet as vegan leather has in order to, you know, really compute a huge environmental impact. And also when, you know, you break it down to unit cost, we don't have a scale yet that is that makes the whole process efficient. So for me, I'm very um, optimistic into the direction that recycled leather is going or recycled leather, um, where, you know, when we can start really growing and scaling, that's a part where we can really reduce the environmental costs by optimizing some of the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as, as it grows, it'll become more and more sustainable and we'll become will become more and more aware of the positive impacts of the, or the the less negative impacts of 
of the new type of leather that, that's being innovated. So what's the cost breakdown, if I'm allowed to ask that? So, for example, I know organic fruit is more expensive than conventional conventionally grown fruit, but there's a reason, you know, because no pesticides are used. And so more land is needed to be used and more water to grow the organic fruit. So is recycled leather more expensive than virgin leather? Price is often determined not only by the operational cost, as you know, you've mentioned with the organic fruit, but it's also with the market price. And um, virgin leather, as I mentioned also earlier, um, has really risen in its price because it's been you know, in high demand for good virgin leather. And therefore, recycled leather is still quite price competitive, not because it's less um, operational cost, because you still have you know, the whole cost of collecting processing but it's because it's still crafting a market to it so it needs to be quite at an attractive positioning um, to really grow that market. So why don't more companies use recycled leather? Is it just because they don't know it exists or I don't I don't just trying to figure out because it's such a brilliant idea why does it seem like such a foreign idea Mm -hmm. that nobody knows about? Yeah, that's funny. So um, recycled leather is actually not a super innovative process when you think about it as a whole. Now, the way that recycled leather, the company that I work with, um, is using with, you know, being really um, uh, mindful of their carbon emission and being very, um, you know, not use any chemicals and be very, very green. This is innovative. But um Recycled leather, there are multiple companies that are using that as well, um, that I've met while I was work, um, walking those Milan trade shows. Um, and um, a lot of those, they use off-cut leather that they recycled. Um, usually they produce a different material of it. So um, for example, a lot of shoe reinforcements are made out of recycled leather. So they use leather, they grind it, they grind the fiber, and then they reinforce it. Another type of recycled leather, but that's a bit different, and you've probably heard of it before, it's similar to bonded leather. So bonded leather use a lower grade leather um, quality, or they use the leftover of the leather. They grind it into leather fiber, but the difference is bonded leather, they use um, a mixture of material. It could be from cardboard to paper to anything to create a new material that is more along the line of reinforcement. So all these applications had always, has already been used and are being used um, you know, in the market, but specifically a recycled leather material made to use for bags or shoes, um, it's not yet very widely used in the market. And to your question, why isn't it more used? Um, I think because, you know, it, it is costly to collect all those offcuts and to make sure that the end material has a high quality. For example, for recycled leather, 
that end material has at least 60% of it as leather fiber, whereas when you compare to the other application, the bonded leather, usually it falls around 30 to 40%. So that's a, a bit of a difference. Now, I hope that other brands out there are, you know, going to adopt recycled leather, you know, quickly. I know for a fact, for um, I was talking with my ex-colleague in Chanel, they have also looked at the recycled leather material, but it's just that a lot of those companies takes a lot longer in order to test the materials um, and, you know, to put it into their production line. So that's, you know, it probably will be in two years line where you will see a lot of those coming out. So because Opus Mind focuses on a circular supply chain and diverting waste from landfills, what should customers do when they like literally can't get any more use out of their Opus Mind bag? That's a great question, which I love you asking this because the minute I was developing um, the Opus Mind bag, um, I was already thinking about the whole supply chain and the end of life of that product. And actually, um, 80% of your waste um, are already thought at the design phase. So you can already design out all those, you know, thing. And at the end of life, for example, for me, I designed um, the Opus Mind Bag to be very um, minimalist and just have single panels so that in case you need to repair it, you could just, you know, um, take out, disassemble one panel and then repair it with just that. So. The idea is to really extend um, your product as long as possible and to repair it. But at the end, if it's no longer usable, if everything has been used, then this is why um, I chose recycled leather, um, because I knew that this is the composition is so clear that I can recycle it and renew that material to something else. Now, will it be renewed to another bag? Probably not. It probably will be recycled into another leather material um, that can be used maybe for upholstery or for, um, I don't know, for uh, uh, industrial use or something that is more sturdy. Because as every time that you break down the fiber, you need to reinforce it with something else and it will get stiffer and stiffer. Thinking about that end of life um, of the product and thinking of how can uh, we reuse it and extend that material so it does not end in landfills. So if a customer has, can they send you the bag to be repaired? Mm -hmm. Oh, wonderful. Absolutely. At the moment, you know, it's still a very small operation. I'm still a startup. So I still conduct everything here based out of San Francisco. So, um, I mean, most of my, uh, most of the customer are all US-based. So I've already had some exchange with customers where they needed, you know, a replacement here or there. And um, I do believe of, uh, I do believe in accountability. So absolutely, customer usually reach out to us and then we do find a solution for them. Nice. So what's next for your brand? Do you have any products like, for example, like the crocodile leather embossing that we talked about before? <laughs> um, I was on your website and I was like, oh man, like I want them to make a pair of shoes. Like I want to buy these shoes. So yeah, what's next? If, if you're allowed to say <laughs> anything. <laughs> no, absolutely. So um, yeah, shoes will be a great idea. Um, but, you know, now... Today, as I'm talking to you, I mean, 
there's a big reality with you know what we just went what we are going through with COVID-19 and also with um, you know the social reform around anti-racism that we're going through so um, I'm reflecting a lot and um, with Opus Mind we I mean, I started Opus Mind with the mission to create more awareness for sustainability. And um, yes, sustainability, a lot of people think about environmental sustainability, but for me, it does surround um, you know, a broader view with social sustainability, which is also why I was you know, um, thinking about using family-owned factories. Um, but yeah, for Recycle Leather, I mean, we, our product is still here. Um, and um, I have slowed down a little bit because, I mean, for um, a few months, our partner factory in um, Italy uh, was closed. And for me, I was, you know, in contact with them to see if everyone was okay. Everyone is okay, so that's great. But, you know, all of this is impacting. And so I'm rethinking about, you know, how to make a supply chain that is, um, closer to home and less, you know, um, risky in times of, you know, when we have a whole global pandemic going on. It makes a lot of sense as a business to make sure that things are, are something that you can control. Yeah. So, and that said, you know, um, I also took this pause to reflect on, you know, what really drives me with Opus Mind. And as I mentioned, um, it's really to create more awareness um, around sustainability. And through my journey, these three years of, you know, pushing Opus Mind, I met so many amazing um you know founders or innovators or thought leaders around sustainability that you know i felt that one of the mission i would like to do is also highlighting those and sharing more of those stories as well which is i think why you know uh, for my instagram account i've started posting also about other people's um sustainable brand because i think it's absolutely great to also have a community that supports each other and so even if i take a pause right now with um the recycled leather i hope that i can continue on also with you know sharing sustainable stories yeah i love that so it's definitely like it's more than just a business well, definitely for me, it's a passion. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So finally, I know you you mentioned earlier that you feel that really the power of the fashion industry when it comes to sustainability lies in the consumer. <laughs> so with that being said, how do you see fast fashion coming to an end in, in a sense? So what's one major issue that you feel once tackled will solve a multitude of the problems that we face in the fashion industry? Well, um, I'm going to say something that's not very popular, which I don't think fast fashion companies are going to an end. And I don't think we want to either. But we can and should push for change, that's for sure. So the reason I'm saying this is especially with, you know, what happened and what's happening with COVID-19, where it's clear that uh, it's impacting everyone and um, factories have suspended work, um, transportation are, are impacted. And we know that you have some countries like Bangladesh, which are 
really um, dependent on manufacturing and um, especially with, you know, more fast fashion, it's difficult to say, can we have fast fashion come to an end, right? Um, also, we see um, the retail industry taking a blow with, you know, closing store, um, restructuring their team. So you have large fashion brand like H&M um, who are, you know, the everyday life and they're taking small step into the right direction, even though, you know, sometimes they do, they don't do the right way. So for example, they got, you know, reprimanded when they launched a whole conscious collection and they didn't really explain why it was conscious and they were just using, you know, a form of greenwashing for more marketing gain. But H&M is also the one of the first companies to, you know, honor and commit to paying all their orders in factories like Bangladesh, where you have a lot of other brands who are citing first measure and, you know, getting away from not paying um, all the orders that were already produced. So anyway, that said, to your question, if there's one major issue that can be that can solve um, a multitude of problem, I would say it's looking into government regulations. Um, I'm a big proponent that, you know, with corrective legislation, it can really drive um, factories and the whole supply chain to be to be sensible and to really look into their process and to, you know, change so that there's less pollution, less waste. Um, we saw this change with China where and starting 2017 and 2018, they implemented um, a huge green manufacturing initiatives and that change. So I think, you know, it starts with consumer demand. It starts with really voicing out what we need to push um, governments to look into and to put in place corrective legislation. Um, so, you know, it falls upon us and you, you know, to create that awareness to talk to consumers and to make them aware that, you know, this is happening and it shouldn't and it concerns our life and our future. So if we want change, we need to demand it. A hundred percent. I definitely, that's an incredibly important thing that, you know, a lot of brands, not only are they greenwashing and, you know, maintaining, even though they're using pineapple leaves, leather or whatever for uh, certain products, they're still using slave labor, which is a major problem. Um, and it's really just a marketing ploy because people are becoming more aware and they want more conscious clothes, consciously made clothes. And so H&M is like, oh, that's a good way to make money. So I definitely, please don't sue me, H&M. Um, <laughs> so I definitely agree with that and everything that you said. I think it's very important to um, to have those government regulations be put in place. Um, but I think that the most difficult part is going to be getting them in place because the reality is, you know, major corporations give money to politicians. And I wouldn't be surprised, especially if that, you know, occurs in the fashion industry, if major fashion corporations are donating to certain <laughs> campaigns. So I definitely agree with that. 
Um, yeah, which is why I think that journalism comes in place, or you know, being vocal about it, and you know, finding those、um, companies who are、um, you know lobbying against you know、um, this initiative and calling them out. And I think nowadays, with the power of technology,、um, we can create a lot more. Transparency. So, you know, I think it, again, it, it comes back to to us and willing to do so, and you know, sharing all this information so that people can can、um, be aware and mobilize.、Mm-hmm. That's the most important part: is knowledge. Knowledge is power, not ignorance is bliss. <laughs> Everyone, take note. Alrighty, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I really appreciate it, and I had such an interesting conversation. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to share, and I hope that you know people find it useful. <laughs> me too. That's always the goal. That's always the goal. I think just supply chains are the most interesting thing. So thanks for joining. That's all for this episode. Check out my Instagram in the show notes, and feel free to leave me any suggestions for future topics. I'll see you all in my next episode.